Lord. As you know, we go through the Bible verse by verse, and we are currently reading through the letter in John. Is that right? Who's enjoying the studies through John? I want you to do something for me. I want you to go and read the whole letter of John. Go and read it again. Go and sit down and read it, because when I'm preaching to it, I'm going to only preach from verse 18 to 29 today, if we come there, and I want to talk to you about the trap of being deceived. The trap of being deceived. We're living in a very deceitful world. We're living, have you noticed, or is it just me? You just go around, there's people who's calling you up, and they try to scam you over the phone. Or is it only me getting those phone calls? And you always get those phone calls at times that you didn't expect it or you don't want it, is it? And they call up and you can hear it. From the start you can hear this is one of those calls. And they're becoming very arrogant these days. They're becoming very arrogant. There's scammers in the world who's trying to deceive you. Who knows that the politicians are trying to deceive you? Is it only me noticing it? We're living in a very deceitful world. People are deceiving each other. And how is it then not a surprise to us that there is a lot of deceivement in the church, in the church of Christ? You need to be so careful. As much as you're trying to find out about the scammers, and as much as you're trying to look out for the politicians and people and you don't trust them, I want to say to you this morning, you need to be watching out who preaches to you the Word of God. Everything okay, Mark? We're all go. Oh, is it locked? Okay, that's fine. So uh, I just wanted to close the door at the back because if the wind blow, this curtain go like this and I don't want you to sit there and go, oh, I wonder what's happening. So nothing is happening. Praise the Lord. Um, so, so this is, Mark, can you just... Turn this one slightly down, so I'll use my voice to amplify it. So there's a lot of deceitment going on. But I want you to think about what John is writing to us. This letter is super important for us as a child of God. I don't know if you've learned something, but I've certainly learned a lot. Preaching through it again. Every single time when you open up the Word of God, there's something new. And it's not as if it's something new, all of a sudden, a Gnostic revelation opening up for you. It is the Spirit of God revealed something more to you. This is what I find out in life. Now, John warned the church. He warned you and he warned me about the conflict between light and darkness. Who can remember that? Light and darkness. God is light and in Him there is no darkness at all. And as my brother said, we need to walk in the light. Those were the tests. Are you walking in the light? This last week, have you walked in the light? What is walking in the light? Well, go back and listen to the sermons. If you don't want to sit and listen to the sermons, open up the Bible and read again what John says about walking in the light. And then he, he, he gave us a lesson between love and hatred. Do remember that one? I want to ask you the last week, have you loved people or are you hating them? Remember, love is a decision. It's not an emotion. And this is so important. And now he comes and he warns us, and he warns the people he's writing to between truth and error. You see, it's not only enough for a believer to walk in the light and to walk in love. He must also walk in truth. We must walk in truth. It's so important for us. Your Christian walk depends on it. If you are not saved, your soul depends on walking in the truth. 
There is so many people out there, and I'm going to reveal it today, as John revealed it, who's not speaking and preaching the truth. And it amazes me. It amazes me how people can sit down and on a piece of paper, when they want to take out a life policy, they don't trust people who sell this to him because it's only a promise. And they go through every single step. And sometimes they read the fine detail. But when it comes to God and church, people just walk into churches and they say, whatever you, because we trust you, you are the nicest dressed in church, we're going to listen to you. It doesn't work like that, Trees, is it? You need to hear what comes out. Not only what comes out of the man and the woman's mouth, which is, you know, bringing some, but you need to understand the heart from where it comes. Because the heart is deceitful. And this is what you need to listen to. So here John comes and he warns them. But I want to I go back to last week. Brother Oral preached the sermon uh, and he preached from Matthew chapter 24 verse 4. You remember that. It is Jesus sitting there on the mount and he said to these, uh, to these Jews, these disciples came to him and they asked him three questions. I want to, to make it clear to you, you should not confuse the rapture of the church with Matthew 24. You should not confuse the two. Matthew 24, Jesus wasn't talking about the rapture. I'll just throw it out there for you. The Jews came to him because he saw this big temple, this beautiful, magnificent temple, and they sort of brought Jesus to have a look at this thing. What a beautiful place. And then Jesus said to them, this thing, this thing is going to be taken apart. It's going to fall to the ground. Nothing is going to be left what you see. And you must understand when you put yourself in the feet of a Jew that day, what are you talking about? This thing that Solomon built, this big majestic temple, you want to tell me it's going to, now I see it, now I'm not going to see it. This is what Jesus said to them just prior to these words. And then Jesus, they came to Jesus and they asked him three questions. They said, when will these things happen that you've just said there? That, you know, this big temple is going to come to nothing. They're going to destroy Jerusalem. When is these things going to happen? You need to understand he was talking to Jews and Jews asked him the question. And then they said, when will be the end of the times be? There's three questions specifically addressed to them. But this is the one that Oral picked out and I, and, and that was a really good message. He said, and Jesus said to him, take it that no one deceives you. Everybody say deceive. For many will come. Everybody say many. many. They will come and they say, I am the Christ and will deceive many. Deceivement is in our day. And this is happening as we are sitting here today. Deceivement is going on. And, and they are after the church. It's always interesting that the deceivement is going on about Christians, about you and me. Now, I'm not preaching on Matthew 24, but I will to put it in perspective for you, but I wanted you to understand that. Peter writes about deceivement in this way. 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 1. He says, but they were also false prophets. And by the way, Peter was one of those men who was sitting there with Jesus in Matthew 24. Later on, he writes this now. He says, but they were also false prophets amongst the people. Where are they? Where are these false prophets? They're among the people. Among them, even as there will be false teachers among you who will secretly bring in destructive heresy. How will they bring it in? 
secretly bring in what? Destructive heresies. You see this here? They will bring it in. They are amongst you. And even denying the Lord who brought them, who bought them, I should say, and bring on themselves swift destruction. And many, everybody say many, will follow their destructive ways because of whom the way of the truth will be blasphemed. The way of the truth is the way of the word of God and it will be blasphemed. And I'm telling you today, you listen to some of these online preachers, they are blaspheming the word of God. They are blaspheming it. By covetousness, they will exploit them. I said to you before, you should not just listen what comes out of the mouth. You should know what's going on in the preacher's heart. How do you see that? You see it through his lifestyle. We'll come to that. You'll see it through him, how he lives his life. This is where it goes. He goes, for, for by covetousness, they will exploit you with deceptive words. There's a lot of deceptive words going on. For a long time, their judgment has not been idle and their destruction does not slumber. This is a true warning from Peter. You see, we live in our day with spiritual discernment. There's no spiritual discernment going on because there is no spiritual truth preached anymore. You know what spiritual discernment is? It is listening to something and hear that it's not the truth. Preaching from pulpits. But I'm saying it today, there's no more spiritual discernment going on in churches. Because there's no more spiritual truth preached. There's no more preaching the word of God anymore. You need to be careful of what is going on in the world right now. And, and I want to say to you that Satan has planted deceivers within Christian churches. I know you don't want to hear this. I know. I mean, it, it's a tough message again. But John, go and read the whole letter. He, he's got you. He calls his people beloved. You can hear it again. My little children. He cares so much for these people that he writes to them a letter to warn them about the things which I'm preaching to you today. Do you think that's important to hear this today? Who are you following? Who are you listening to? And if you sit there and you think, oh, he's just, you know, pumping himself up to, no, no, you need to test me. I've said it so many times. Go and listen to the sermons. But who are you listening to? What are they preaching? You know, sometimes I hear them, they say, yeah, but 90% of what they say is good. It's only the 10% that's not so good. Do you know that that is how they make rat poison? It's the 10% of poison that kills the rat, not the 90% of the good food, yeah? So this is so important to see this. He says that, and I'm saying to you that Satan has planted so many false teachers in and amongst. He says it here, false prophets among the people. You see that? He says false teachers among you. Where are they? They're not sitting outside the church. If a man sits out there with a megaphone out, say, out there and he blasphemes us and he shouts, Oh, you group of Christians in there, are you going to bother about him? It's going to irritate us. I get that. But you're not going to listen to him, are you? 
But if I dress that same man up and I bring him in there and he finds some, you know, he sits in amongst us and you start to hear him and you start to like him because he's a likable fella and now we put him nice clothes on, we put him behind the pulpit, then you're going to listen to him. Then you're going to listen to him and this is what Satan is doing. So let's get to the word this morning. Our scripture reading is from verse 18 to 29, 1 John 18, chapter 2, verse 29. So Jesus said, watch out for the deceivement, and there are deceivers going on. In 1 John chapter 2, verse 18, he writes to them, he says, little children, little children here. Why would he call them little children? He says, you need to take heed what is coming your way. He says, it is the last hour, and you have heard that the Antichrist is coming. Have you heard that? There's so many people who is trying to now work out who is the actual Antichrist. And, and we're in the same time here now. He says, you know, you've heard that the Antichrist, which is singular, the Antichrist is coming. Even now, many Antichrists have come, by which we know that it is the last hour. Everybody say last hour. He says it's the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not from us, of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest, and none of them were of us. Now he brings a really interesting concept out here. He talks about the last hour. And so many people over the years came and they said, Oh, but you people say Jesus is coming soon. Have you heard that? Jesus is coming soon. But where is he? He hasn't come yet. Well, Peter says there will be scoffers who come out and they scoff about this. I believe Jesus can come any moment. And his coming is so near. If you are not ready, get ready because Jesus is coming soon and very soon. Because we are living in the last hour. But you say, wait a minute, still, the last hour, what do you mean? Well, the last hour describes a kind of time. It doesn't describe a duration of time. Because if you think about when John wrote this to the church... One would have said, hey, John, you were wrong because you are dead already. Where's John today? Not this John, John who wrote that. Where is he? He's dead. He's not here anymore. So one can say, wait a minute, John. You said to the people, you were lying to them. You said the Antichrist is coming. It is the last hour, but he didn't come. You're dead. So this is why we need to understand what it means in the Bible that this describes a kind of time. So this kind of time started when Jesus Christ died, was raised from the dead, and ascended on high. That's when this time started. It is called the dispensation of grace. It is called the church age that we are living in. But let me tell you this. Since then... Since Jesus Christ ascended on high, the promise is that he will come back again. Who believe in that? I believe absolutely in it. So since he started talking about this, since they started preaching about it, this is that we are still in that time. We are still in that last hour. It is a kind of time that we are living in. And it's... It's a time that there's a lot of heresies coming in. And this is how we can identify this time. Let me show you a few. You see, when Jesus was on the earth, when he preached himself, 
That is the truth. That is the true word. Then the Holy Spirit gave it to these men and they wrote it for us. But even in the first century, the devil tried to dilute the message. Even in this first century, when Jesus ascended on high, the devil thought, oh, this is a field day. I'm going to have a field day amongst the Christians. All I need to do is I need to deceive them like I deceived Eve in the Garden of Eden. That's all I need to do. Not fight the church right now because that day is coming. It's written in the book of Revelation that the Antichrist will turn against the church of that day. He will. And a lot of people's blood will flow, Christians. But the church will be raptured out at that time. But all Satan had to do is he need to change a little bit. He need to put in a little bit of yeast. He need to put a little bit of doubt into the Christian church. He need to put a little bit of doubt into the doctrine which Jesus Christ preached. And he is so successful in many ways. So successful. Let me give you a little bit of a history rundown. In the first century, the very first century after Jesus ascended on high, John wrote about antichrists. He wrote it for us. There, he says there's antichrists, many antichrists. There is a plural there. There's many of them have come. And now we know it's the last hour. He says they set themselves up instead of Christ. They come into churches and they say, look, this is what Paul said. But do you really believe what Paul said? You need to take what Paul's written down with a grain of salt. This is going on. I've heard so many of them. In the 4th century, there was a big debate about the nature of God. There was a big, there was a man by the name of Iranian who came out and he said that Jesus Christ is not truly God. Jesus Christ had a birth date. He was born. He was born in Bethlehem. And that's when he started. He was not before time. Jesus is not that. And he challenged the triunity, the trinity of God. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. He challenged it. And you know what happened? He got a lot of people who followed him. It's so easy. It's so quickly to get deceivement in. And it floods out. It's like a COVID virus. I shouldn't say that, but it's like a virus. Okay, so it floods and it goes quickly out. And it was only at the Council of Nicaea where elders of the church came in and they had a big debate about it. And they said, no, no, we believe in the Trinity. And this is where you find your Nicene Creed. And they said, we do believe in the Trinity of God. Who believes in that? Now, let me tell to you, brothers and sisters, this is deceivement. This is heresy. If this didn't happen, we maybe, I don't know. We would have believed something different today. But you see, in the 7th century, you found Muhammadism. It came out in the 7th century. And what do they say? They said that Jesus is only a prophet. Do you believe Jesus is only a prophet in this place? No. But this is what happened. They say it's a prophet, but there was another thing that happened during that century. The Bishop of Rome got power over the Christians in the Western world, and he had a lot of say in the doctrine. This is now where the Pope 
the papacy came out in the, in the Roman Catholic Church. And what did they do? They, they started changing the doctrine so much that even today you look at thousands and thousands of people who are misled. Misled. And they don't even know it. They follow something which is not true. I've been there in Rome. I've been there. And I walked in right down. And I stood around there, and I didn't know it on this particular day. The Pope himself was going to address the crowd, and I was in and amongst the crowd. And then he appeared there. They had the little red thing out there on a balcony, or out of a window, actually. And I stood there, and I looked around. I've got a video of that. I'll play it to you. I've looked around, and people were absolutely transfigured on a man. On a man. And you want to say to me there's no deceivement going on in the world? People are so afraid to come out of that religion because they think that they're going to be for long times in purgatory. It's a lie. It's a lie. Because it's not written in the true word of God. It came out in these centuries. You see, this is why I say he planted them in and amongst the church, the true church. In the ninth century, ninth century, only two centuries later. The false prophecies about the return of Christ started to flood the markets. It paralyzed the economy of Europe for over a hundred years because people started giving things up. Christ is coming, why should we worry? But let me just say, have you heard that recently? I don't have to go back to the ninth century. There were so many people in our day saying in 2000, in the year 2000, Christ is going to return. Have you prepared for that? Have you prepared for that? But you see, this is what happened. This is when deceivers come in and they delude the word of God. And I want to say it right now because I'm going to come back to you. It's because people do not know the word of God. But let it be fair to say that in these days they were not allowed to know the word of God. Because the, the popes and, and the hierarchy there said, like, you know, you don't give the word of God to the common people. You don't do that. Even to this day. So in the 11th century, we had the Crusades going on. In the 13th century, we had the Inquisition. Who remembers that? And then in the 15th century, the Roman Catholic Church again, through the Pope, came and they put so much. They said, no, no, the commons don't read the Word of God. We decide for them. And they say, there's horrific things that happen amongst the people of this world. And let it be known that each and every one of those acts stands before God for judgment. You don't have to believe me this morning. You don't have to. You can get mad at me. That's fine. Get mad at me if I touch on things which is really hurting you. But I want to say to you one thing. If it hurts you to come to the truth, so be it. But here is it. You know, it goes through the 15th century. And then in the 18th century. And look, this is only a short list. There's an exhausted list of this. I love to read about this stuff. And I can tell you a lot of more detail. Is the German rationalism. That was the age of free thinking. Free thinking. And the free thinking say that you can reason everything out with your mind. We will open up the Bible and we will have Bible studies and, and we will read a passage and we will have five people in the room and say, don't check it up anywhere else in the Bible. What do you believe they say? Uh, uh, number one. Oh, this is what it is. Number two, what do you believe it say? Number three, number four, let's take everything together. That is what the scriptures say. That is error. That is wrong. You cannot do that. 
You need to understand and know the knowledge of Him and have the wisdom from God to open up the Scriptures for you. But free thinking come in. And would you believe even to this day there is so much rife free thinking in the churches going on? But you know, let me just say that I would say that maybe 80% of churches won't even recognize that today. They won't. Can you see now why it's so important that John write to us this letter? Can you? Can you? So then we find, and there's a reason why I put this up here for you, because you need to understand what's going on. In the 19th century, we had Mormonism. Who remember those guys? Mormon. He found this book, and all of a sudden he was in a state of, and, and God spoke to him. And how many thousands and thousands of people were led astray on their way to the pit of hell? You, are you getting mad at me? I hope so. Because that's the truth. You know, I'm in Hawaii. We were, we're in Hawaii. Thank you, Lord, for a time in Hawaii. We came to this one place in there, and there's these beautiful young people. We go to the Polynesian uh, uh, Culture Center. Oh, it's good, Polynesian Culture Center. Man, I'm also one of the bros. Eh? Walk in there, and it was good. But then I saw what's happening. They want to take you up to the temple. The whole thing is funded by the Mormons. And all of these beautiful young children going on their way to hell. You say you're calling out straight. I need to call it out. Because people need to wake up. And then we had the Jehovah Witnesses. Who remember those? The Russellites. They're not Jehovah Witnesses. They don't witness of Jehovah. Jehovah is Jesus Christ, and they believe that he is not. They believe he's an angel. That's what they believe. But they call them Jehovah Witnesses, but they don't believe in Jehovah. No, no. When they come and knock on my door, you know what I tell them? I say, you're a Russellite. What is a Russellite? I go, no, no, your founder is Russell. He was a deceived antichrist. That is what he was. And then we find Christian science. And now I'm going to shock you. If, you. if you thought you were mad at me and you sit in this place and you listen to me online, hold on to your seat. Because now we're in the 21st century and now we find the NAR, the, the National or the New Apostolic Reformation. Who knows that one? I want to say to you that I believe that 95% of churches today is part of the NAR. 95% of, of churches is part of this antichrist movement going on. And, and they hear me correctly this morning. I call it an antichrist movement going on. You might see stuff up there which you don't like because these people, they say we need a new reformation. You get places like Bethel, the church Bethel. They pump the world full of their music, but go and see what they do behind the scenes. They work with tarot cards and the Bible. You can't do it. It's blasphemy. That is put Putting up the Antichrist and, and, and you feed it to people and you feed and you lead these people. You say, you're not charismatic down there in Karim Downs. If I preach these sermons, I won't have a full church. Well, then your church should be empty. Let it be known. People should run with their lives from you. But the NIR, the, the kingdom now theology, who knows that? We're in the kingdom now, man. We're now in the kingdom. What are you talking about? The rapture. What are you talking about? All of these things. Look, I'm not going to ask you to excuse me this morning, but I need to say it as it is. Yeah? Yeah. This is the biggest danger of the church in the 21st century today. And you know what? That's fine. That's fine. I'm happy to go back to preach to one person as long as that one person gets into heaven heaven hallelujah let's give the lord hands amen 
Now, now, now you say to me, you say to me, preacher, why do you show us all of these things? And I'm coming back to what John said. It said it is the last hour. The, you and I are living in the last hour, whether you like it or not. And, and this is the reason why. If you look at these centuries, and I've said to you before that this is a kind of time. I want you to notice on the board here how it intensifies when it came down to the 21st century. Have you noticed? It intensified. What do you mean by that, preacher? It's getting more serious. You know, in the first centuries, there was the issue with the nature of God. They were not cell phones. They were not social media. They were not things that I'm going to pack up my back. I don't like your preaching. I'm going to open up my own church. There was none of that going on. No, no. But here in the 21st century, that's what's going on now. If you don't preach what I like, preacher, if you don't trickle my ear, see you later. And I'm taking my money with me. Take your money. I don't want your money. And I listen, listen to me. Before you go, before you go, listen to to this get before God open up the Bible read it from cover to cover and then talk to me again I've had somebody I've had somebody just last year or six months ago who wanted to take me online on about something in the word and 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 they quickly threw some stuff at me you know and they say but and and then I realized they got it out of their catechisms or catechisms you know their teaching which their churches gave and and I said and I asked this person I said have you read the bible from cover to cover if you haven't done that stop you know talking to me now read your bible and come back well, it's six months on now, so I hope he's six months into his reading already. Yeah? Wow. John, he's serious. John is serious. I, I can see him sitting down there as an older man now and writing these words in, on a piece of paper in a letter. And, and, and I can see the seriousness in his eyes when he says, I pray God that these people, not only, not my brother, not only read it, but do it. I want you, if there's one thing you take away from today is look out for deceivement. I say it again, you know, spiritual discernment. Discernment means that we're going to test everything you say by the word of God. This church needs to be operating in that. I say it's not happening in churches because this is not preached in churches anymore. How can you discern this if it's not there anymore? How can you? I better hurry on. I better hurry on. You see, it all started in the church. This is where it started. He says, little children, it is the last hour. And as you uh, have heard, the Antichrist is coming. And even now, many Antichrists have come, which we know that it is the last hour. And why do you say it started in the church, preacher? Let me show you. Verse 19, they went out from us. In other words, they were in the church. Satan planted them in the churches to deceive the people, but they were not of us. They can never be of us because the only way that you can be part of the church is you have to be born again and baptized into the body. You can't come here with your head knowledge or with your NIR teachers or anything. They were not of us for if they had been of us they would have continued with us why because if we preach the true doctrine scripture well, how can you go to anything else but they went out that they might be made manifest thank you this is now making sense to me dennis why did they go out because they were made manifest now that they were never of us 
Some people use the scriptures to say, yeah, you know, people were not safe and this is why. No, no, it's got nothing to do with that. He talks and addresses deceivers here. Now, let me unpack for you just quickly that word antichrist because people have a misunderstanding of it. Anti has got two meanings in front of Christ. The first meaning is against. Is against. And do we know that Satan is against Christ? Yes, he is. Go and open up in Genesis. I'm actually reading through the Bible again. I've just started again. And I find it fascinating going through Genesis again. I've preached through Genesis, I think, three times. I've read through the Bible, but I'm not trying to impress you. Just listen me out. But again, coming back to the deceivement in chapter 3. Man, oh man. I mean, women, I mean, whatever. Now, he says here, Antichrist is either against or instead of. Instead of. And this is what he's using here. You see, Antichrist described three things. The spirit that opposes Christ. Can we tick that? And secondly, the false teachers of today, they are anti-Christ. And a person coming against Christ. You say to me, but hey preacher, they are saying in the name of Jesus. I know it, I know it, I know. Don't listen to what comes out of the mouth. Check the heart. I'm just leaving you there. I won't go back to that again. You see, this is what it is. Uh, they came out of the church. They were in the church. They were planted there, and listen to me now. They sat amongst the church. They dressed like the church. They sang the hymns of the church. They hallelujah. They came out and laid their hands on people. They testified. But they were never off the church. They were under the mantle of church. Oh, and people liked them. They were sincere. Oh, very sincere. And they were really great people. I mean, if you look at them, you would say... What? They are, oh, come on, man. You've got a problem. Well, that's what people thought about Jude, Judas, isn't it? He was a likable guy. But here is it. They came out of the church. And, and the other thing about that, which I've seen in my, in my own life, in churches, you can see it happening. You know, every person who walks through the doors, I pray for the Lord because the Lord built his church. Who knows that? The Lord built his church. Have you seen me advertise? Have you seen me throwing in the newspapers, this church down here and all of... We're going to throw flyers out to reach souls soon. But have you seen... We don't do that because the Lord builds His church, yeah? So there's people walking through this. That's how you came here. Yeah, amen. That's proof, isn't it? That's how you came here. So you came in here and, and, and you are here. We, then we don't. But when people do come in, I welcome you. Have I? Have you got a hand clap when you came in the first time? Well, if you haven't, we'll give you one now. So we welcome you. But let it be known. I want you to know this. As the pastor of this church, I go home that night. And that whole week, I pray about that one person coming to this church. I do. And you know what I pray? I say, Lord, if you've sent this person, let them grow here in the word. Father, if you haven't sent them in here, show it to me. And Father, I'm not going to get rid of them. I'm going to preach the word even more harder. And you know what will get rid of them? <laughs> I'm telling you out of experience, the word of God. They can't sit under the word of God. So you've all went through that test. <laughs> Is it okay? I was going to do it anyway. 
Because I'm standing one day before God, not you. And he says, all of these souls sitting here. And because this is what I've seen, brothers and sisters. They, Satan plant them in churches. And you know who they go after? They go after the little lambs. The little lambs. You know what I'm talking about? We are all sheep in God's eyes. And when you are sitting here and you are, you've studied the Bible, you've read through it, and you go out and you know the Word of God, they come in here, the anti-guys, they won't come to you because you know. You will sit down and they will say to you, nope, nope, nope. And no, no, they go to the little lambs. What is a little lamb? Somebody who hasn't read through the Bible yet. That's a little lamb. If you sit here this morning and you say, I've been born again for 10 years, and hey man, look at me, and you haven't read through your Bible from cover to cover one time in your life, I'm saying to you, you're a little lamb. Are you upset with me? I praise God you are. Because I hope you go out and start this afternoon. I don't want to be a little lamb anymore. I want to be a sheep. I want to be a sheep. Man. I want to be a sheep. I don't want to be a lamb. I want to be a sheep. That's the only way. But you see, this is the Antichrist, and this is how they come in, and they... They come to the little sheep and they start giving them different doctrine. They go, don't you know, did you hear what pastor preached on Sunday? I don't agree with that. This is how they work. I don't agree with that. So what do you, what do you believe then? Well, let me, uh, you know, he doesn't understand yet. The pastor don't understand yet. Let me show you. But don't tell him that I've showed you this. <laughs> I've seen it too many times in my life. What did, what, what did the serpent do in the Garden of Eden? He came to Adam. Now he came to Eve. Because she was the little sheep. God spoke to Adam. He gave him a commandment. And he says, and by the way, he says, all the trees in the gardens were good for the eyes and good for food. That's what God said. And then he said, you shall not eat of that tree. That was a commandment. It wasn't, hey, maybe, no, no, it was a commandment. Everybody say commandment. Not the way I do, but just in your, anyway, your way. It was a commandment. And then the serpent came to Eve, and he just slightly changed it around. He changes a commandment in a question. He says, did God say? Slight. I've had it actually up. I was going to run out of time, so... I'll, I'll preach about it. I've got it. I'm ready for that. But this is what he do. You know, pastor, preach. I'm, I'm, look, listen to me, brother, sister. I'm more than happy for you to disagree with what I preach, what, if, if you disagree with what I preach. I'm more than happy for you to come to me like many brothers and sisters come and say, now you've preached that, let's talk about it. More, come, but come to me. Come talk. I'm the one who's preaching it. Don't go to the sheep. Yes? Let me continue. I'm a little bit off there. Let's go on. You see, they were skillfully planted. Jesus said in Matthew 7, 15, Beware of false prophets who come to you, how? In shoots. They come in suits and ties. But inwardly they are ravenous wolves. Remember what I said. Don't listen to what he said. Look at the heart. Not only that. We find Paul on his way past the church of Ephesus. He write, he, we read this in Acts 20, 29. I know that after my departure, you see, I read a lot of things in there. These, these wolves, they always attack the flock when the pastor is not there. He's not there. They knew that this man, Paul, is not going to be there, and he's, he knows that as well. He says, after my departure, 
Fierce wolves will come in amongst you. I say again that Satan planted those antichrists in the churches, not sparing the flock. And from amongst yourselves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. After them. You know, this is the kind of language that they will use. They will say, doctrine divides. Listen if you've heard this. It divides. Let's set aside our doctrinal differences and come together on the areas that we agree. Have you heard that? I've heard it so many times. You know, we, we're gonna, we, let's, let's agree to disagree on this doctrine. I go, mate, I can't agree to disagree because I only agree with the Word of God. But they'll come to you and they say, Jesus said they will know them, uh, that you will know his disciples, but by how you love one another, not by your doctrine. This is what they'll say. You see, it's slightly twisting it. Or they'll say, set aside your doctrinal views and accept anyone who says that he believes in Jesus. This is the biggest one we see these days. It's playing out. It's playing out right now. They want to set up this one world order. A one world government needs a one world church. And you know what is the message from them? They say, set aside your doctrinal views, man, and accept that, you know, everyone who believes in Jesus is our friend. Let me hurry on, brothers and sisters. But Jesus also said in Matthew chapter 7, verse 15, he says, beware of these false prophets. They come, they are ravenous wolves, but how will we know them? You will recognize them by what? By their fruits. Listen to me, the fruit is not coming out of their mouths. If it is, it's an ugly thing. I don't know if you've seen, if stuff comes out of your mouth that needs to stay inside, it's ugly. So it's not fruits coming out of their mouth. Where is this fruits come, come, come out? In their lifestyles, yeah? It comes out in their lifestyle. You will know them by their fruit. 1 Timothy chapter 4 verse 1, he says, Now the Spirit expressly say that in the latter times, here we go, here we go, it's the, it's the last hour, some will... Depart from the faith. We have got the same theme here. You know, John writes to them. He says, many antichrists will come. They will go out from us because they were never of us. And what will they do? They will devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons. We see that today. I'm asking you, what are you listening to? You need to test it. You need to test it. Through the insincerity of liars whose con conscience are sheared, they don't even worry that they're leading people astray these days. They don't even worry. I've got one man standing on, on a stage speaking in tongues to another man, making jokes. That's blasphemy. But they will give an account one day. But now, their consciences are sheared. You will know them. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. But understanding this, that in the last days, these are same times again, there will come times of difficulty, for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to parents. You know the list. You know the list. Look at verse 5. Having the appearance of, but denying the power. And then he says, what do we need to do? Avoid such, oh, but you know, preacher, oh, I've got so many lovely friends, and I'm, I'm there to reach out to them and win them. You will not win them over. You will not. 
If the Spirit of God can't do it, who are you to win them over? So, uh, so you will know them by that. So let me quickly continue this morning. How do we stay out of this error? I think I've, I've said enough about these false deceitment, hey? Have I still got you on side? You can talk to me afterwards, that's fine. I'm a big bloke, I can talk. <laughs> but it's so serious, brothers and sisters, it's serious. I've seen it, I've seen it in my life that they come into churches to destroy churches and then they will take on whatever authority there is and, and whenever they take that authority, they don't care about other people who get hurt in this whole process. And in the end they go out and what about those souls? I always say, what about those other souls? And here is the thing, Paul, uh, John writes now, he says, but you have an anointing, everybody say anointing. From the Holy One. What does he mean? He says that we are baptized in the Holy Spirit. That's what he says there. And you know all things. I have not written to you because you do not know the truth, but because you know it and that no lie is of the truth. What is he saying? He says you know the truth. You know the truth. You know what I've preached to you. You know what I've written to you. This is what he say there. You've got the Word of God and you've got the Holy Spirit. But a lot of people are deceived because they are too lazy to pick up the Word and they are too lazy to study it. They will just listen for others to preach to them. You need to study and preach yourself. Let me just say something here. I'm going to go back to it again. That word anointing there, the Greek word is unction. Have you heard about that? Unction. I've heard it so many times in some of these kingdom now churches where they go, I'm under the unction, and they do funny things. That's not a special thing. They go, they go out and say, you know, if, if somebody's going to lay their hands on you, you will get the unction of the Spirit. No, no, they are just misinformed, or they are deliberately not studying the Word of God. This word here is a general word. It means that when you are born again and you get the Holy Spirit, that everybody in this place has got it. You have the unction. If you are born again today, blood was child of God. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 13 and 14, which says that the Holy Spirit came and lived inside of you. You've got the unction. It's not for somebody special. There's so many people walking around and they think they are special, but they are not. They are not. It's just the truth. I just want to give you the truth. He says, you have the unction of the Holy One. And why do you have that? Because it's going to help you to identify these deceivements. He says, I have not written to you because you do not know the truth. You know the truth. But because you know it. And that there is no lie in the truth. And then he says, who is a liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? He is the Antichrist who denies the Father and the Son. Whoever denies the Son does not have the Father either. He who acknowledges the Son has the Father also. Now, I, I must say it at this point in time. All of those religions that denies Jesus Christ is the Antichrist because they don't have the Father. If you don't have the Son, you don't have the Father. If you have some strange thinking about the Son is an angel, then you don't have the Son. And if you don't have the Son, you don't have the Father. Wait a minute, let me, let me prove it to you. Just, just bear with me. Let me just see. 
Praise the Lord. Give me five minutes. Is that okay? Oscar, you shake your head. I'll blame it on you, brother. I just want to show you something here. The most famous verse in the Bible, John chapter 3. Who knows? John chapter 3 verse 16. Let me just read this to you and then we'll finish. John 3 16. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believe in Him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Oh, we love that verse, don't we? But we don't read on. I wonder why. I just wonder why. Because verse 17 says, For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. And then people get lazy and they stop there. But we need to read on. Because this is the important verse now. This verse is the important one. He says, He who believes in Him, the Son, He who believes in the Son, listen now, what then? Uh, he who believes in, the, in, in Him is not condemned. Everybody say not condemned. If you believe in the Son, you are not condemned. Listen, He doesn't say anything about Mary here. He doesn't say anything about Michael Angel, which they think is Jesus, Jehovah Witnesses. He doesn't say anything by the Mormons which says that, you know, but it doesn't say anything there. He says, if you do not believe in Jesus Christ is the only way to the Father, you are uh, condemned. He says, he who believes in me is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already. Everybody say already. Because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. I rest my case. I raised it. So how are we going to see deceivement? First of all, the Holy Spirit, and secondly, the Word of God. And then we finish off this morning. Our protection against deception is the truth. Therefore, let it abide in you, which you've heard from the beginning. If what you've heard from the beginning abides in you, you also abide in the Son and in the Father and in His promise that His promise is eternal life. I'm so sad to say it for you online or for anybody who want to hear this during the week, wherever in the world or whatever. If you do not have the Son, you do not have the Father. That's it. Point blank. And if you are sitting today in any one of the other religions, I want to say to you right now, repent. Come to the Son. Bow at the cross and come to the Father. That is the only way. The only way. There is no other way. I'm so sorry to say it. And if you are sitting there and you've got fear, maybe, fear for retribution, why don't you just give it to Jesus Christ? He will take care of it for you. He says it right there. He is the only one who has got eternal life. All of these other things that people have told you all your life is but lies. The promise comes from the Son and the Father. And if you abide in, if, if abide in you the truth, which is, man, I can just go on. I need to stop right now because there's so many scriptures jumping up. I will pray now and we can go have baptism. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much this morning for your word. I thank you, Lord. I know it's a hard word, Father, and for some people who may listen to this, Father, it might be really, really challenging word. I pray, Lord, that your Holy Spirit will go with them. And, Father, if there's more questions coming out, Lord, that's a good thing, and I pray, Lord, that you send the right answers. I pray for everybody here today, and I pray, Lord, that you will protect us in Jesus' name. Amen.